good morning. Glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to the book of Jeremiah, that's where we're going to be this morning. It is in the Old Testament, and if you have trouble finding it, please turn your, to your table of uh, contents and find out on my Bible. It's on page 1005, but uh, in your Bible, it's going to be different, so make sure you look that up. Uh, today, we're wrapping up a series called Drive, and I, and I kind of want to recap for you where we've been and why we've been there. Uh, I said the very first week that I think sometimes in the Christian life, I think sometimes we think that when we do some things that are part of the Christian journey, like go to church, be in a small group, give, and, and you know, all those kinds of things, that sometimes we think just by doing the task that somehow we have spiritually arrived. And hopefully we built the case the first week that we will never spiritually arrive. We will never be perfect either until we pass from this life into the next life as a believer or until Jesus comes back. In that moment, then we will have arrived. So while we're on this earth and we're called to press on, while we're on this earth, we're called to continue to live for Christ. And if we're going to do that, the question we've been asking for three weeks now is, what is it that motivates us? What is it that drives us because we aren't there yet? And hopefully you remember this, that as a believer, what should drive us every morning, what should jack us up, every morning what should kind of push us and motivate us to live for Christ is just two things. First of all, it's loving God. And second of all, it's what? Loving, loving people. Now, I, I, I want to simplify all of scripture for you this morning. If you were to take all that God tried to teach in the Old Testament and take all that Jesus and the Apostle Paul and the, 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 uh, the disciples try to teach in the New Testament, it comes down to two simple truths. More than anything else, here's what God wants. For us to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. That everything in you loves him. And second of all, that we would just love people. They love people. And can I just say this? I've been a Christian for a long time. And we've just complicated things. But hopefully we can go back to and go, as a believer, the thing that should motivate me over everything else is that Jesus says that all of life hinges on two things, loving him and loving people. And then a couple of weeks ago we said this, that if that's what we're supposed to do, if that's what's supposed to motivate us, is there's some vehicles some ways that can help us better love God and better love people? And the answer is, yes, there is. In fact, there are three vehicles we wanted to talk about. The first one was being in a group. Now, we talked about being around other believers and that iron sharpens iron. That if you call yourself a Christian, you need to know this. You were never designed to be alone. Never. God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone, and he created Eve. We were never designed to live in isolation. And I would go as far as say this, that you cannot grow in your journey with Christ if you're trying to do it in isolation. It just doesn't work that way. But being in a context of a small group helps us learn so much about ourselves. And when we learn a lot about ourselves, here's our conclusion normally. When I learn more about me, here's what I know. I need more of him, Right? When I learn more about my wickedness of my heart and the sentence in my life, what I conclude is this, that I need Jesus more today than I've ever needed him before. But we also learn some things about people. And you know what we learn about people in the context of groups? We're all jacked up. We're all messed up. We've all got issues. We've all got spiritual, emotional baggage. We've all got that stuff. And other people need the grace and love and kindness that as someone like me who's jacked up, messed up, 
also wants that grace, that love, and that kindness. And so we said one vehicle to help us really love God more and love people more is get into a small group. Dave talked about it earlier today, our 242 groups. You need to be in one. If you're a believer and you want to grow in your journey with Christ and you want to grow in your love for people. Now you said, Doug, I, I want to love people, but there are some people that are just unlovable, right? We all have, don't you have family members that are unlovable? <clears throat> come on, come on. Now, if you're not smiling, it's probably because they're in the room. That's okay. We'll just keep that on the down low. I get it. I get it. Right? But here's the deal. We need to have this desire to love people. And being in a group is an important part of that. And then we said last week, the second vehicle to really kind of help us in our journey to love God and love people was to give. Now, I hope you heard things last week clearly. The Apostle Paul said something very powerful. He says, it's the love of money that is the root to all kinds of evil. That our desire and our affection for the almighty dollar takes us down a path that we do not want to go. It will lead us down a path of all kinds of evils, and we talked about that. And we said the only way to remedy that temptation in our lives is to quit trusting money and to start trusting God and to do what God asks us to do. And here's what God asks us to do. He says, I want you to be generous, 1 Timothy 6. I want you to be generous, which means I want you to be a giver. And we talked about two areas that we need to be giving so that we can love God more and show our love for him, but also free us up from the selfishness that comes with loving money so that we can show that we love other people. Our tithe. And even given to special offerings. We talked about the forward fund. And today I want to talk about the third vehicle. And to me, this may be the most important of all of the vehicles. It's the vehicle of serving. Now, we talk about serving a lot around here. We talk about it, you're going to say, yeah, way too much. But we do. We talk about it a lot. We talk about it on one hand corporately. Because we think there's some things corporately that you need to be involved in. Like, we have a lot of teams in our church that serve. We take tens and tens and tens of volunteers to do what we, what we do on Sunday morning. From the host team, to the preschool, to Bluff Kids now being back, to our Wednesday night, to set up, tear down media. I mean, we've just got a lot of things to do. And you need to be, if you're part of this Bluff Church, and you say, I love this church, I believe in this, I'm growing spiritually here, it's time for you to get off your chair and to do something. Sign up for something. And we talk about that. We also talk about corporately some other things we do, like trunk or treat, or for the city, or Santa Land, or picking up trash on after Friday night football games. You know what? And, and I'm just going to tell you, I'm so proud of this church for have done that for the last five and six years. Pick up trash. I mean, it's the least glamorous job on the planet, especially when Doug and Dave forget the gloves. I know, right? You've been there. But so we talk about it all the time. But we also talk about it individually. Hopefully you understand this. That your capacity to serve doesn't just happen when we organize something here. Whether it be in the church or outside the church. You are always on mission. You are always called to seek out those who have needs and to meet those needs. See the truth about serving is this. Is that serving is the best way for you and I to imitate Jesus. Now, did you hear that? The best way for us to emulate and to imitate Jesus is through serving. Jesus was the perfect model. In Philippians 2, it says this, that Jesus understood that equality with God was not something that could be grasped, so he humbled himself and he became a servant. The creator of the universe 
The one who sits on his throne in all majesty and glory stepped off his throne and came to this earth and took on the form of a servant. Jesus himself said, I've not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus would go in his ministry and he would meet the needs of those that had them. He would heal people. He was serving people. Jesus even one time in John chapter 13 went into an upper room with some disciples and he got a towel and he got on his knees and he washed their feet. He was a servant. Now please don't miss this. I think the reason that Jesus led the way in serving is because that Jesus understood that when we serve, we open other people's hearts open to the love of God. When we serve, other people's hearts are open to the love of God. When we serve, people see something in us. Because let's just be real honest. Is serving something the world throws out there as the norm? Do you see in the world where you walk on, people just have this propensity to serve other people? No. One thing that separates the church from the rest of the world is we should have this desire to serve and to love and to show the love of Christ. And one of the best ways we can show the love of Christ isn't always with our mouth. Sometimes it's with our actions. And Jesus understood that when you serve other people, you open their hearts and their eyes to the love of Christ. And I just want to say something to you before we get into the text. I really believe with all in my heart we should have a desire to serve, first of all, because we want to imitate Christ. Every day, we should desire more and more and more to look like Jesus. Right? And second of all, we should have a desire to serve because is it possible that through our serving that people might see the love of Jesus and respond to him? Yes, is the answer. So here's the question of the day. If that's true, serving imitates Christ, and serving can point people to Christ, why is it that we are so reluctant to serve? Why is it that we as believers sometimes find ourselves so reluctant to serve? Well, I'm going to give you the answer. I know you're thinking, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm going to tell you your answer, all right? I'm going to tell you your answer and my answer, because sometimes it's easier to make excuses than it is a commitment. Amen? Oh, we're not so sure. Like, I don't know about that. Come on. Amen? It is easier to make excuses. Let's think about your kids and their chores. Isn't it easier for your kids to make excuses of why they can't than a commitment to just do what they've already been expected to do? Right? What's the one thing when you tell your kids, hey, would you take the trash out? What's the one thing you know is coming out of their mouth? Now? now? Do I have to do it now? Can I do it later? And later turns into never, right? And I'm just telling you, one reason I think, listen, this, and maybe this is just for Doug today. I think one reason that we struggle and are reluctant to serve is because it's easier to make an excuse why we can't than it is to make a commitment to do it. So what I want to do today with the time we have left is I want to look at three excuses, common excuses, that we might be ten, tend to use as to why we can't serve God. And I found the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. I want to read verse 4 and 5 to set the stage, and then we're going to get to the excuse. It says this. Now the word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah talking. Now the word of the Lord came to me. And God said this. Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And I appointed you a prophet to the nations. In other words, hey, Jeremiah, before you were ever born, I had a plan for you. I 
knew you. Now that word knew in the Hebrew is the word yada, and it doesn't mean I know about you, it means I intimately know you. In other words, God knows every intimate detail of you and I. And he says, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were ever formed. In other words, hey, you've always been on my radar. You were on my radar before you were on the radar. Right? I knew you, Jeremiah. I consecrate. That just means I set you apart for a higher purpose. I've got a purpose for your life. Your life matters, Jeremiah. You're not one of these people, and nobody is one of these people, that their life just, they're here to exist. Your life matters. And maybe today what you need to know is that your life counts for something. You are not off the radar of God. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. I don't know about that. He does. He does. You may think that's wrong, but it's true. He knows everything. He knows the, the, every minute detail. He knows every hair on your head. He knows the days that are pointed for you. He knows everything. And he has a purpose for you. And he says, I've appointed you, meaning that I have specific plans for you. I've got a job for you to do. Now, this sounds a lot like Jesus in Matthew 28 when Jesus says this. He says, I want you to go make disciples. In other words, I want you to tell people about me. And I want you to teach them all that I've commanded you. At the very end, he says this, you know, and baptizing in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. You know what Jesus is telling believers? I've got a plan for you. And I've got a specific plan for you. I want you to go share my love and my grace to people that you see, to people that you come in contact with. Now, here's why I start with verse 4 and 5. is because all of us in the room today need to know this. You are not off the radar of God. You were on the radar of God before you were on, ever on the radar of this earth. And he's got a specific plan and purpose, and your life matters. No matter what you feel, no matter what you think, your life matters. And God says, look, Jeremiah, I knew you. I have a purpose for you. And I have given you a plan of what I want you to do. I want you to be a prophet to a nation. I want you to speak truth to a nation. And now we're going to see Jeremiah's response. I mean, this is quick poll. If God showed up in your room tonight, which would probably make us all wet the bed, but if God showed up in the room tonight, right? And he said, hey, I've called you out and I want you to be a prophet to all of Popper Bluff. What are you going to think in that moment? Or how many of you are going to go, hey, I'm on board with that? Yeah. There's about three of you that are like, awesome. And there's the rest of us that just really stink right now, right? But we need to be more like the three, right? Now, here's what most of us do. Look at the excuses Jeremiah gives. I love this. Verse six, the very first part, he says this. Then I said, oh, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak. Can I hear you? And, and this first excuse that Jeremiah gives is an excuse of inadequacy. God, I'm not up to this challenge. God, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I hear what you called me to, God. I understand this, but I don't have the skills to do what you're asking me to do, God. I'm not prepared for what you have before me. Now, can we just be honest enough to say this? That many of us, this is our excuse we talk about being a host team greeter. We talk about serving at Trunk or Treat, or we talk about serving in preschool. We talk, we talk about all these different areas to serve, whether it's corporately or individually. But most of us use this excuse going, God, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. But God, I don't have the skill set to do what you're asking me to do. God, I'm not prepared to do what you asked me to do. God, I'm inadequate. Now, 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I know this to be true, that if you're a believer in the room at some time, you felt that way. You felt that way. You have felt this sense of inadequacy. But let me just say this to you. When we lean on the excuse of inadequacy, we are missing and ignoring the truth that God can overcome any of our weaknesses. That God can cover any of our insufficiencies. Listen to what God told uh, Jeremiah in verse 9. Then the Lord put out his hand, and he touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me. Now, it's so much, can, can I just put this in context here? You know, do you remember when your kids were little, and they were just yakking? And you put their hand in their mouth as if to say, shut up. Right? You probably said it nicer than I would have. You're like, please be quiet. I'm like, shut your big mouth. Right? I mean, shh. Do you see the imagery there? Here's Jeremiah. God, I don't know, God. I, just, I, I can't speak. I mean, you're calling me to be a prophet? I don't know how to talk. I mean, this is just like Moses way back in Exodus 3. Same excuse. God, I, I don't know how to speak. I'm inadequate. I, God, I don't know. Shh. Jeremiah, stop talking. And then notice what happens next in verse 9. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I know you don't know what to say, Jeremiah. That's why I'm going to put my words in your mouth. In other words, if God calls us to do something, he will always equip us to do the thing he's called us to do. I know you're insufficient. I know you're inadequate. But that's why you need me. That's why you need my grace. That's why you need my love. That's why, my, Jeremiah, I'm literally going to take my words and shove them into your mouth because on your own strength, you're going to fail. But if you lean on me, Jeremiah, and you trust me, you're going to make a world of difference. Please hear me. I know there's going to be moments you feel inadequate in the journey of serving. I know there's going to be those moments. But please just remember this, that God will always equip you with what you need to do the thing he's asked you to do. So if you're that introvert person, you go, I can't shake somebody's hand at the door, God will give you the strength to do it. If you're that person that needs to share Jesus with someone, but you're scared to death to do it, I know I need to serve somebody by doing that, but I just can't, God will give you the words to say. Or I don't want to be in preschool because I'm not sure I even really like kids. Well, and if you don't like kids, we don't want you down there. But you're just like, I don't even sure I like kids. Listen, if, you, if God's nudging you that way, God will give you what you need to do the thing he's called you to do. Do not let inadequacy be the reason that we don't serve God and serve others. And look at the second excuse Jeremiah gives. This is interesting, verse six. He says, I saw the Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak for I am only a youth. Now that word youth in the Hebrew literally means an unmarried man. I mean, that's how it translates. And he's probably somewhere between the age of 20 and 25. In other words, what Jeremiah is telling God is, God, I, I, I don't have experience to do what you're telling me. God, your timing is bad. You ever feel like God's timing was bad? Come on, look at me. You ever feel like God's timing was bad? You ever felt like there was a moment in your life, whether it was victory or whether it was hurt, whether it was loss or success, or God called you, or God was moving you, God was shaping you, God was refining you, and you're like, God, your timing stinks. That's what he's saying. God, not only am I inadequate, but his second excuse is, God, your timing. Your I don't, I'm just youth. How am I going to stand up and preach this message to a nation when I'm just young? 
God, wait till I'm older. I mean, right now, God, your timing is just a little bit off, God. God, I just, I'm not there yet. Now listen to God's response. I love this, verse 7. He says this, but the Lord, I love but the Lord. In other words, God's like, that's not going to work for me, Jeremiah. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Now, is God asking Jeremiah right there? Come on, is God asking him? No. Think about that. If God calls you out to serve and you refuse, he will win. It may take a while to get there and he may have to go through some, some things to get you there, but he's going to win. He's like, look, Jeremiah, you're going where I want you to go. I know you're reluctant. I know you think you're inadequate. I know you think my timing's bad. You're going. Kind of like when you tell your kids to clean the room. Well, I, no, you're, I'm not asking you. This is not a discussion. It's not a negotiation. This is a dictatorship, right? Right? You will clean your room. And now, right? The demon comes out as you say that, right? God's not asking. And notice what he says. He goes this. Do not say I'm only youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And wherever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am, the Lord, I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Do you know what God's response to Jeremiah was? Hey, I know you think my timing's bad, but please hear me. My timing is always spot on. And here's something you need to know, that when I tell you to do something, you're going to do it. When I tell you to say something, you're going to say it. But here's the great news, Jeremiah. I'm not asking you to do this by yourself. I'm with you, Jeremiah. I'm your Lord. I'm not going to leave you alone. See, some of us, I think one of the reasons we struggle in serving is, is because we feel like, God, your timing's not right. I don't have time to serve and bluff kids. I don't have time to go do this. I don't have time to share with Jesus with someone. I just don't have time. I mean, we, we really wrestle with, you know, uh, it's just inconvenient. It's untimely. God, your timing really stinks. And we need to slap ourselves in the face and go, no, God's timing is always perfect. Even when it doesn't feel like it. His timing is perfect. And here's the best part. In the midst of his perfect timing, he never leaves us alone. Do you remember the very end of Matthew 28 when he says, And behold, I am with you. How long? Always. How long is always? Always. Can I just say to you today that you're never alone. You're never alone. God is never going to abandon you. Even when you feel like it. God is never leaving you alone. So he gives this excuse of timing. And then there's one more excuse I want you to look at. We have inadequacy, the issue of timing, and then in verse 13 and 14. Now this is not an excuse uh, Jeremiah actually uses, but it's an excuse I'm sure he thought about, and one that we will probably use more than, than not. He says this, the word of the Lord came to me in verse 13 a second time, saying, what do you see? And I said, well, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north, then the Lord said to me, out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. Now, here's what's happened. God just said, Jeremiah, here's your message. There's a foe from the north, the Babylonians who it was. There's a foe from the north. And if my people don't turn away from their sin of idolatry, worshiping other gods, I'm going to let this foe from the north come and he is going to destroy all all of Judah, all of Jerusalem, the temple will be destroyed and my people will be taken to captivity. That is your message, Jeremiah. How many of you want to preach that one? Right? 
And I can imagine Jeremiah, if, he, if he'd given an excuse here like we would have, here would have been our excuse. God, this message is too tough. This task is too tough. Jeremiah was left with the task to tell his people either repent from idolatry or destruction is coming. Now, a little bit for some of you historians, let me just say this. In 587 B.C., they did not repent and Jerusalem was destroyed in 587 B.C. But here's the question I pose to you. Is it possible that what God was trying to teach Jeremiah is this, is that maybe the best way to serve people is by telling them and speaking truth to them. I know we serve people by meeting their needs physically. But is it possible that God was trying to teach Jeremiah that one of the best ways to serve people is by sharing truth to them? You ever thought of that? See, I think like Jeremiah, maybe one of the best ways that you and I can serve people, yes, it's by meeting their physical needs. Yes, it's by going and maybe cleaning up the yard, cleaning out their gutter. I mean, yes, it's all those things. But sometimes we kind of look at serving as just those things, the physical things. But serving also is providing what they need spiritually. And I think sometimes one of the best ways that we can serve people is by giving them what they need spiritually. And you know what they need spiritually? They need Jesus. They need the good news of the gospel message. And so if you're a believer today, here's your message. The good news of Jesus is this, is that when you share that, you remind people that we are all sinners. And we all rebel against God. And if we pass from this life into the next life and don't know Jesus our Savior, we will pass into it and spend eternity away from him. But if we trust Jesus as our Lord and our Savior and give our life and our heart to him, then we pass from this life to the next life, we will be given eternal life with Jesus forever and ever and ever, and it just comes down to faith. See, if you're a believer today, that's your message to those who don't know Christ. And I just want to submit this to you today. Maybe the best way you can serve some people in your life that you have placed in your life right now is by sharing God's truth about Jesus with them. You ever thought of that? Now, here's a question. Or actually, I want, you to look at, I want you to look at how God responded to this. Look at, look at God's promise to Jeremiah if he'll do this. He says, but you dress yourself for, for work. Arise and say to them everything I command you. In other words, Jeremiah, just do what I told you to do. I know you feel inadequate. That's bogus. I know you think my timing's bad. It's not. I'm with you. And I know you think the message is tough, but here's what I want you to do. I want you just to do what I've commanded you to do. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And, I, and behold, I will make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. In other words, Jeremiah, if you will just do what I've asked you to do, if you will share the truth and serve people by telling them the truth I've commanded you, I will protect you, Jeremiah. I will provide for you, Jeremiah. I will give you all all the things that you need, Jeremiah, just trust me. Just trust me. Can we be so bold to say that sometimes serving God and serving others is just as easy as just saying, okay, God, I know I feel inadequate. I know I feel like I'm not, don't have that skill set. But you always equip those that you called out, so I'm going to trust you. God, I know I think your timing stinks right now, but your timing's always perfect, and you're with me, 
So I'm going to trust you. God, I know I think the message you want me to share sometimes, especially if I'm a high school student, I'm trying to share that with my friend. That's a very tough message to share. And I get that, God, but I just know this, that, that, that I need to be faithful because at the end of the day that you're with me, I'm not alone, and you will give me the strength to endure. And you'll provide for me everything that I need and protect me. See, when you look at Jeremiah, God gave him this great task. And here was Jeremiah's response. Excuse after excuse after excuse. So here's my question for you this morning as I get ready to wrap it up. What is your excuse? Now, I want you to close your Bibles and close your notes and just listen to me for a minute. What is your excuse? Are you the person who goes, my excuse, Doug, I'll be honest, it's inadequacy. I just don't feel like I'm up to the challenge. I don't feel like I'm wired that way. Hopefully today you realize you're wrong. If God's called you, God will equip you. You just need to know that. You don't need to, Doug, but Doug, I got questions. I got it, but just trust me. When you look throughout the scripture, God never called anybody to do anything and did not equip them. You don't see that in scripture. He always equipped them. Or maybe you sit there and go, Doug, you know what my excuse is? It's timing. I mean, I know God's asked me to do this, but Doug, I'm a busy man. How many of you are busy in the room? Come on, come on, come on, raise your hand. How many of you are busy? Oh, come on, like two, two thirds. Of, how many of you are busy? I'm, we're going we're gonna to like, you know, give you a cattle prod as you leave here if you lie, all right? I heard an old preacher one time say this, and here's some words to heed. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because when we are busy, our eyes are here and not out there. Right? And maybe you say, Doug, I, I, my excuse is timing. Just listen to this. Hopefully what you know today is God's timing is always perfect. And he didn't ask you to do it by yourself. He's with you. But maybe for some of you, honestly, you would just say, my excuse is, the task God's called me to, to share the good news of Jesus, it's just too tough. It's hard. Now, please hear me this morning. I know it's hard, but it's worth it. Because one thing we know, please look here, here's one thing we know. Life is but a vapor, isn't it? Life is short. We're here today and gone tomorrow. And we're not guaranteed the next breath out of our bodies are we? Now, some of you have experienced loss, and you know that. And you know how in the moment you experienced that loss, all of a sudden mortality became very real to you, didn't it? All of a sudden, the truth of the matter is that we live, and then there's death, and then what? And it's hard. It's tugging. It pulls us apart. But we have to be, as believers, reminded that even though it's tough, it's necessary, right? You know, there's one person in our room today. Her name is Lexi Hafford. And she lost her mom yesterday. And I don't even begin to know Lexi to experience what you're going through. I have no idea. But one thing I do know is you're surrounded by some of the most amazing group of softball girls right around you. That I'm telling you, one day, Lexi, you will, one day you'll wake up and thank God for all the friends that have surrounded you through this journey. And I ask you as a church, I mention her because... We need to pray for Lexi, and we're going to do that in just a minute. Actually, I'm going to do it right now. If you're around her, just put your hand on Lexi, and let me just pray for her. Because we've all experienced loss. God, I pray for Lexi right now. I pray for her and Lara, who's, who's not with us today. God, I can't imagine the weight and the pain and the hurt of what's going through them. But God, I just pray simply that you would give them peace. And you'd help them be reminded that you are in control, even though they've got questions and doubts and concerns. You are on your throne 
and you are in control. And I pray that you would wrap your big old God arms around these two precious girls and let them know you love them. Let them know you care for them. Let them know that they are on your radar, that they are not alone, and you love them dearly. And may they just trust you. May you give strength to the girls around her that play softball with her to love on her. They don't have to have the right words. They just got to have a hug and just love on her. So God, just be with this precious family as they go through this time. In your name I pray, amen. See, it's tough, but it's necessary. The best way that many of us can serve people is by sharing the truth about Jesus. Because they need it. So what is your excuse? And my challenge and my prayer for us today is that we would put our excuses aside. And that maybe you would just take a step. Maybe for some of you, you've never served anywhere. So your first step is taking that listening guide and go, okay, I can serve as a host team. I can open a door. Check. I got that one. I can wear a lanyard. I can put on a smile. And I can tell somebody I'm glad to see them. I can do that. Or I love kids and I can go hug someone. And I, I mean, I want to change diapers, but I can sure be in there with them, right? Loving on those kids or bluff kids or... Maybe I have a strong back and a weak mind. I could sit up and tear down and do all those kinds of things with Doug and Dave every Sunday and serve somewhere. Take a step. Or maybe you need to take a step and be part of things we do corporately. Hey, I need to be part of Chunk or Treat. You can't just sit there and go, that's not my thing. Really? Really? Not your thing. That's an excuse. Be part of that. Or maybe it's a commitment that person, when you leave here, you know somebody in your home, in your workplace, or in your pool of friends that need to be shared the truth about the love of Jesus. And you need to be committed to share that. But Doug, I don't have the right words. I know. God will shove them in your mouth. But Doug, I don't know. I, I, I'll be too nervous. No, no, no. God is with you. You will sense his presence in the spirit. It will freak you out. If you will just trust him. I've been there. I know that. But let me tell you this. I'm asking you to make that step because it's necessary. You can meet people's physical needs all day long, and that's crucial. But we have to be willing to serve and meet their spiritual needs with Christ. So would you take a step today? Now, one last thing, and I'm going to pray. Some of you in the room today don't know Christ. Earlier I said this, that Jesus said that I've come not to be served, but to serve and the rest of the statement is, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus says the greatest act of service that I'm going to do for all mankind is I'm going to die on a cross for you. And maybe today you've never trusted Jesus. And you need to know that he served you in the greatest way. He laid down his life. Nobody took it from him. He laid down his life for you. And maybe today you just need to say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. I want to give my life to you. So what I'm asking you to do, I'm going to ask you to all stand with me. Everybody stand. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and just bow your heads for a moment. And I'm going to ask our small group leaders, our elders and wives, if they would just kind of find a, an empty, vacant spot somewhere in the room. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you say, Doug, I'm a believer. But I'm not doing very well at serving. I'm asking you to take a Maybe you've got some excuses. Maybe you need somebody to pray for you and just pray over you. You can come find one of our small group leaders that are somewhere around the room if they'll find some open space or our elders. And you just need to pray for you. 
Or maybe you're here this morning and say, I, I've never trusted Jesus. You just need to know he committed the greatest act of service when he hung on a cross for you. And all he asks you to do is not clean your life up, not straighten your mess out, but just trust him. And he'll do that for you. So would you trust him today? Would you take a step today and say that I realize that serving you and serving others is one of the best ways to grow in my love for you and my love for people. Father God, I love you and I thank you for today. And I just pray for myself and I pray for those that in this room today that when opportunities to serve arise, that we would fight the temptation to give excuses. The excuse of saying that I'm not good enough, I'm not prepared enough, the right time. Excuse that says it's just too tough. That God, we would just have this sweet humility to say, God, I don't get it, but I trust you. I trust that you will equip me. I trust that you're with me. And I trust that it's, the, it's, it's crucial that I do what you've called me to do. I trust that it's necessary. So God, just be with us today. May we take a step in the right direction and commit to serve you and to serve others. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together. Jesus, we love.